Amen. Well, it has been a great weekend uh, so far, and I know the students will be thank are thankful that tomorrow they have the day off. Uh, if if you weren't a part of the weekend, uh, I want to encourage you that uh, you can always pray uh, when we do things like this. That that's not. Um, just dismissed easily, that, that there is power in prayer, that, that we can go uh, on behalf of these students before God, that, that God will do a mighty work in their lives. And so maybe you're beyond the teenage years where you have kids in the house, or maybe you're not quite there yet, and, and your, student, your children will be there one day. Uh, but we have a, a great opportunity to pray uh, when we do things like this and camp and VBS and Connect Camp and Preteen Camp and all these things where we, we see God uh, move uh, in mighty ways uh, in unique times. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, as, a, as a blessing to you, I want to just tell you uh, that we had a great end of the year in our, in our financial giving to the church, uh, which I'm very thankful for. And uh, if you know kind of how we operate in Baptist life. Uh, the Christmas season, December particularly, is a time where we raise money uh, for international missions uh, specifically. And this year we had a goal to raise about $15,000, and we exceeded our goal and raised nearly $17,000, which was wonderful. Uh, to help about 3,500 missionaries across the U.S., uh, across, not U.S., across the world. And uh, two or three of those families actually have strong connection here. Uh, they, they're family members of our members, and so we want to continue to lift them up and support them as well. Well, today we're going to be in, in the book of Acts again, Acts chapter 17. So if you got a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn there. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, uh, last week uh, we talked about Thessalonica, and in the fall, uh, we studied the book of Philippians, which takes place in Philippi. And so I'll remind you again this week of kind of uh, our geographic study for the week. Uh, Philippi, this is all modern-day Greece. Uh, you see Athens there at the bottom. Philippi, we studied in the fall. So if you weren't a part of our church in the fall, I'd encourage you to go back online, listen to all those, or watch them. And Paul and Silas went from Philippi to Thessalonica, which is about 100 miles to the west. Uh, they had a fun time there, got run out of town, and they made it to Berea. And that's what we're going to look at today is Berea, which is about 45 miles, 46 miles to the west in a more mountainous region. And, and so that's what we're going to look at today uh, as just to give you a picture of these places. Thessalonica is still a city today on the, the gulf there uh, in Greece. You can visit. These are real places uh, where God made a real impact in the lives of people. And, and as we think about uh, Paul's journey. Uh, last week, we were, he was in Thessalonica, and he had to leave quickly. There was a big mob. They were after him. Uh, they arrested his buddy Jason, and they paid basically bond so that Jason would be released, and probably part of that agreement was, Paul, leave and don't come back. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments in your life where you have to get somewhere quickly. Hopefully, it's not out of jail, but You've had to move someplace quick. Uh, a few years ago here at our church, we did a mission trip to Vancouver. And uh, Reed, our oldest son and I, were supposed to meet the group here at the church and then drive to the airport to catch our flight to go to Vancouver. Well, as it so happens, that morning, uh, we overslept. We, we missed the alarm. And I woke up 15 minutes before we were supposed to be here. 
Well, at the time, I lived 10 minutes away. Now I live 15 minutes away, but in the same home. Because uh, <laughs> traffic. Uh, and, and so we, we got up, we scurried around. Fortunately, we were already packed. We get in the car. We're a couple of minutes late here, but we still had plenty of time. But in the rush, we left the second most important thing in our house. The most important thing when you travel internationally is what? Passport. Man, you guys are on it today. Uh, your passport. So we had gotten our passports, but we left our baseball gloves. And you're like, oh, big well, we were leading a baseball camp. Uh, it's tough when you're leading the baseball camp with no glove. But we managed. We figured it out. We got it done. Uh, but, but it was one of those moments where you're like, we have got to, like, there is no time. Just throw your clothes on and get in the car. Forget the teeth. Forget everything, right? Just get in the car and go. But, but then on a more serious note, I have some friends who at one point in their life, they served as missionaries in a country that's closed to the gospel. The government says that you can't do evangelism here. Well, they lived in that country. And they got a call one day saying, you have to be out of your house and out of the country in the next 72 hours. Like, pack as many bags as you can, Get your kids together and leave. Leave your apartment, leave most of your stuff, leave your friends, don't communicate with them. Just you got to go and you'll never go back. That's a different kind of rushing. There's a different kind of emotion there than we don't want to miss a flight to Vancouver. <laughs> and that's kind of the scene here as Paul is leaving Thessalonica and traveling across the country to, to the mountainous region where Berea is, that there, there's sort of an urgency that I've got to go. And if we don't go, it's going to be bad. And so they leave Thessalonica, and they travel to Berea, and we pick up the story of what happens as Paul goes from Thessalonica to Berea and what he says and what happens in Berea. So if you're in Acts 17, look at verse 10 with me. It says, The brothers, that means the brothers in Thessalonica, immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they had arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. It probably didn't take much. They received, these guys received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to, come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Now, Paul gets to Berea, and he goes to the synagogue, which is his pattern. Like every time he goes to a city, he goes to the synagogue. Why? Paul is Jewish. And Jewish people would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. That's Friday night, Saturday. For us, and as we think about it, we go to church on Sunday. They would go to synagogue Friday night, Saturday. 
So he would go to the synagogue, and in the synagogue, he began to talk to the Bereans uh, about Jesus. And what do you know? These Bereans were a little more noble, that they were a little more reasonable, that they were of higher character than the folks in Thessalonica. And they listened, and they pay attention. They were ready to hear the truth of God. And it's a great lesson to me that, that sometimes, sometimes in life, people are ready to hear the gospel, and sometimes they're not. The people in Berea were ready to hear the truth of Jesus. The people in Thessalonica, at least the Jews, mostly weren't ready. They didn't want to hear. But it doesn't matter. Paul didn't change the story from town to town. He shared the same story, the same truth, the, the same scripture, the Old Testament, and showed how Jesus is the coming Messiah, was, is the Messiah. His story didn't change, but some people were ready to listen and some weren't, and that was okay. He wasn't discouraged by that. He didn't take it personally. It wasn't a shot to his ego. He just remained faithful. And these people in Berea, these, the Jews, and I'm a, because he didn't spend all of his time in the synagogue, he was out in the community, that not only the, the Jewish, some, many of the Jewish folks in town, but also the Gentiles, non-Jews, they also believed and the crazy part of this story is they just didn't take Paul's word for it. Now, remember who Paul is. Paul is a Pharisee, which is like the cream of the crop when it comes to Jewish leaders. His understanding, his knowledge, his education, his own background, his own upbringing, everything about him was like cream of the crop. He, he was at the top of the top of Jewish scholars and leaders. And these guys in Berea probably knew that. They knew that Paul was highly educated. They knew probably that he had had an encounter with Jesus Christ because he told them that. They probably knew that he had been discipled by early Christians in Jerusalem, other places. And now he's sharing the truth of Christ, the reality of the Messiah that Jesus is the Savior. He is the one who forgives sin. He is the fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophecies that these Jewish leaders knew backwards and forwards, and they listened. But they didn't just listen, they examined for themselves. They examined the scriptures for themselves. It wasn't some haphazard response. It wasn't some emotional re reaction because it was the third day of camp and they hadn't had sleep. And so I have nothing else to do but to respond because that's all my mind and body can do. No, th this was a reasoned response. It wasn't herd mentality that like the cool kid did it and so everyone else did it. No, they, they listened to Paul. They studied for themselves. And based on the truth of God's word and the testimony of Paul, Many of them believe that Jesus, yes, is the Savior. He is the one who takes away my sin. He is the one that gives me new life. He is the one that promises me eternity with my heavenly Father. But there's an important lesson for all of us to learn when we think about the Bereans. Because a lot of us, me included, when we hear something, we often just take it as truth. 
as fact. Oh, well, they said it, maybe not on the internet, <laughs> but if a friend or a loved one or a neighbor or a parent, a grandparent, some, someone we already trust, when they say it, we just believe it. But there's, there's a great lesson for the, that we can learn from these Bereans that when you and I are presented with something new, we need to research it for ourselves. And so these Bereans were presented with something brand new. They knew the Old Testament, but now they're presented with the reality of Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of all of those prophecies, that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God, equal to God, God in the flesh, who lived a perfect life who died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin and my sin. And so the Brians, they looked into it. They researched it. I get asked a lot, particularly when people, not just people in the church, but when people outside find out I'm a pastor, they ask me a lot of questions about the Bible or some theological issue. And sometimes I know a lot about the question. Like you could ask me stuff about Paul and I'd probably have a pretty good answer. But you ask me stuff about the end times, like when Jesus is going to return and all that, I'll tell you, I'm a pan-millennialist, which means it's all going to pan out in the end for us. <laughs> it's all going to pan out. It's all going to pan out. Right, Chrissy? <laughs> and, so, and so there's something that I know a lot about, some things that I don't know a lot about. But every time I tell people, you got to research it for yourself. You need to dive in yourself. Don't take my word for it. And I try to provide resources and those kinds of things. But, but there's something special that happens when you and I dive into the word of God. Because catch what the Bible says here. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Paul was probably only with them on Friday night and Saturday. And so they took the rest of the week every day to study, hey, is what this guy said right? Is it true? Is, is he really telling us the right thing? And, and I promise you what you'll find is that God's word is reliable and true. If you do that, if you research the scripture, if you study the scripture, if you examine what God's word has today, say you'll find that it is reliable and true, that we can take confidence in the reliability of scripture. The Jews in that synagogue that Paul talked to, they, they knew the Old Testament. They would know if Paul was trying to pull a fast one on them. They, they would know if, if it wasn't quite right. But they recognized, they realized after their own study that what Paul was saying was right. That Jesus did fulfill all the prophecies. He was the perfect son of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one who offers you and I a relationship with him, a relationship by faith. Because you remember what happened to Paul. Paul's on his way to Damascus, and God speaks to him. Jesus says, why are you persecuting? Like, blinds him. Nobody else can hear what's going on. God had this Paul had this dramatic experience with Christ, and now he's telling that experience to others. He's confronting everyone else with the truth. And some people like the truth. I mean, if you're old enough to know this movie, some people can't handle the truth. None of you know that. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. But you love Tom Cruise, or at least you probably should. Um, 
But, but I think about this. When you and I live on the truth and we stand on the truth of God, when we live for Jesus Christ, there are some people who are going to be excited about that, some people who are going to be thrilled about that. But there are some people who are going to be jealous and envious. And some people who are like, they don't even care. But they're more rational and reflective. Like some people will just out and out attack you. Like they'll call you names. They'll, they'll say how foolish you are. They'll talk about the crutch. I, I remember when I was younger, I got called choir boy all the time. I, I think I've shared that story some. Like that guy, kid didn't know anything about me because I'll never join the choir. Um, but you wouldn't want me to join the choir is what we should say. <laughs> you wouldn't want me to join the choir. But, but they'll, they'll, they'll be irrational and they'll be mean-spirited and others will take what you say and they, they'll listen to your testimony and your story and others are like, thanks for sharing. I'll think about that. Well, the Bereans, that, that was them. The, the, the Bereans that didn't receive Jesus, the Bereans that didn't accept the testimony of Paul, they were okay. They were pretty calm about it. But guess what happens a few weeks later? These Thessalonians, from how many miles away? 46 miles away. Like today, 46 miles, that's nothing for us Houstonians. Like, you know, that's going just past Galveston into the Gulf of Mexico. Um, like, we do that easily. But back then, there's, there's no internet. There's no cell phones. There's no mass transportation. There's no automobiles. But these guys in Thessalonica find out that Paul has persuaded some Bereans to receive Jesus Christ because of their study of God's word. And they get so excited, so mad about it, that what do they do? They take the day and a half, day and a half, the day and a half trip from Thessalonica to Berea to create chaos. You got any people you know like that? They go out of their way to create chaos. They go out of their way to agitate you. They go out of their way to create frustration. That's what these guys are. They love chaos. These unbelieving, unbelieving Thessalonians. It, it's a lot like certain news channels today. They just create chaos for chaos' sake. It's like some people you and I might know on social media. They just throw grenades out on social media and want to watch the fire. It's how some of us inside the church treat each other. It's how some people outside the church treat believers. And so don't think that our world is any different than the world of the first century. That there are people who are against the gospel. There are people who want their agenda. There are people who don't want you to stand for the right things. People on the extremes will look for a fight and they will agitate you all the time. There are some people who just like to be agitators. That's just what they like to do. And the Thessalonians are a great example of that. They're, they're a sort of poster child that they would, it would be like us driving to Indiana to go gripe at somebody. 
Does that make any sense? No. But that's what these guys did. That's what they did. And so let me encourage today, church, as you think about your own relationship with God and the testimony that you have beyond this place, the testimony that you have in your school, in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood. When you and I stand on the truth of God's word, when you're a reasonable person, some of you might need to work on that sometimes, right? You know who you are. You, you, you know that, oh, I can be unreasonable pretty easy. If you're not self-aware of that, don't ask your spouse, ask a friend, okay? Save your marriage, but ask a friend, hey, do I get excitable a little too often, teenagers? Ask a buddy. Mom and dad will tell you the truth, but you may not be ready to hear it. Um, so ask a buddy. But, but are you reasonable? Like, am I a person who can take in things reasonably? Am I a person who examines things? Am I thoughtful? Do, do I practice this sort of idea of nobility that, that I'm not easily swayed? But know that, that if that's you, you stand on the word of God. You, you trust in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're a person of reasonableness. There are still going to be people who pull at you. There's still going to be people who pull at you to walk away from the faith. There are going to be people that pull at you to do things that you don't want to do. There will be people who pull at you to say, hey, settle down a bit. Settle down a bit. There's going to be pressure from the world to walk away your faith to compromise but look what happens even when things are difficult inside the church right so they're beginning to establish some level of a little sort of burgeoning church here in in Berea and, and they recognize because these Thessalonians are creating all kinds of craziness they say Paul hey uh, hit the road, bud. Uh, we're going to take you and you're going to make it all the way down to Athens in the south. But look, look at what happens. Paul left and, and he starts to make his way down. He probably went back east to the sea and then further south down to Athens. But Silas doesn't go. Timothy doesn't go. These two companions of Paul, they actually stay. They stay in the middle of chaos and help this church establish. They, they help this church grow. They, they help these young believers fortify themselves in the word of God. And so as you and I think about our own lives, when there's lots of chaos around us all the time, both outside the church and sometimes inside the church, there's something to be said for us to remain faithful and true to help fortify the work of Jesus in our community. They stayed, they stayed to help. They stayed to help these men and women study the word of God. They stayed faithful even when the world was attacking. It's a great encouragement challenge for us that we would Stay committed even when we're challenged by outside forces. And so today, as we wrap up Collide Weekend, as we think about our week ahead, uh, I want to just ask you a very simple question based on the model of the Berean church. 
How often do you examine the scripture? How often are you diving into the word of God to to experience uh, the life that God has for us? How often are you taking what you hear, whether it's from me or from somebody else, and saying, you know what, I, I wonder if what they said is exactly right, or you know what, that didn't quite make sense to me, or man, that sounds too good to be true. <laughs> is that real? And, and actually look and read and read and reread what God's word has to say. And so I want to invite you, as we are still here at the beginning of 2024, I, I want to invite you this year to, to devote yourselves to being a person who examines the scripture. Devote yourself to the word of God. So that when you're presented with someone who is not a follower of Christ, someone who doesn't believe, someone who doesn't understand the scripture, that you can help present the truth of Christ to them, that you can help answer their questions, that when they are ready to listen and ready to hear, that, that you'll be ready to give them an answer, to help them make a decision to follow Christ, to commit to him, like these Bereans were. They were ready to listen. They examined the word of God. They committed themselves to the study of the word. And even when there was chaos going around them, they remained committed. Even in the midst of struggle and heartache and pain and and these outsiders agitating everybody, they remained true and faithful. And so I invite you, maybe as, as something that you want to commit to for 2024, that you would commit to be a person who studies the scripture, who looks into God's word, who learns what God has to say for you. That's my hope for all of us. Will you pray with me?